Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. So last week I had a little quick trip. Um, I made a little a quick trip to Chicago. Um, who does that, right? But I have five grandkids in Chicago, and two of them are playing Little League Baseball, and I couldn't stand the idea that I was going to miss a whole season. So I went early Wednesday morning, so I could get in a, a Wednesday night and a Friday night game and came home early yesterday morning. That's what you do if you're a grandpa. And so that's uh, Eli on the left and JT on the right. Yeah, they're awesome, aren't they? Um, that's our picture. And um, what, oh, they're 12, one and one. Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, and, then <laughs> and I have one more picture. And th- this is four out of the five grandkids in Chicago, so there's Eli on the left, JT on the right, and little Janie and Ruby. Uh, we're bringing back the old names, you know, you gotta love that. Uh, no Larry's so far, but um, <laughs> not likely, but uh, those are four of the five grandkids, and uh, they um, are amazing, obviously, uh, and it made me think that, you know, what, what do you want for your grandkids. Uh, n- now, the interesting thing is that one of the, my, my oldest is, uh, will be 12 in July, and um, uh, so she was off with her friends. That's why she's not in the picture. That happens, I guess. And um, what do you want when you think about your grandkids, you think about your children, you think about future children, you, you know, what do you want for them most of all? Uh, what really matters? You, you know, I, I, we want them to be healthy. Um, two, two of our grandkids, two of those kids have PKU, which is a, uh, a disease, it's kind of a genetic thing that you, they don't assimilate protein. So they can't eat protein, they have a special formula that they drink, and as you get older, you, you don't call it a formula anymore, you call it a shake. Um, and so they drink their shake during the day, and then they have to, their mom has to measure everything that they eat uh, and they get a certain amount of fees per day to kind of keep their levels right. Otherwise, there's pretty severe repercussions physically and mentally if they don't. Um, and it's not likely that'll ever change for them unless medical science comes up with a huge solution. So they're gonna live with that, and, and, uh, but you'd never know. They're amazing, healthy kids, but uh, you know, would you wish that away for them? Um, yeah, you know, we've prayed like crazy for that. Um, but here, here's, here's the thing. More than anything else, what we wish, what we pray for, is that they would know Jesus. That they would, disc- they would find Jesus uh, at an early age, that they would follow Christ, that they would have a passion for Christ their whole lives. And, and that's, you know, that's more important than anything else for us because we know that life's gonna throw some things at them. We know that life's gonna be hard, that there's gonna be challenges. I can't, we can't prevent that. We couldn't prevent PKU. We, we can't prevent any of those things. So what do we really, what really matters in their lives? And, and that's that they would know Jesus and that they would love Jesus and they would choose to serve Jesus uh, their whole lives. And so that's what we work towards and that's what we pray for and that's what really matters to us and all the other things yeah we want them to get a good education we want them to be obedient and for everybody all the adults to think we're really good parents and grandparents and we want all those those are all nice things but at the end of the day what really matters is do they know Jesus 
because for their lives, that's what'll guide them um, for their lives, that's what's gonna make all of the difference, that when they face really hard times, it's gonna be their faith in Jesus, it's gonna be their confidence in the love of Christ. Uh, when they're in really good seasons, they'll be reminded it's the blessing of God and it's because of who he is that will really guide them in their lives. I, I love to tell a story from time to time that when our oldest son Caleb was in high school, uh, he would come to me with interest and requests sometimes, and he came to me one day and wanted to go to a party with his buddies, and you know, my, my goal was always to try to think of things to say yes to, right? And, and so he came to me and he wanted to go to this party, and I said to him, Caleb, um, just answer one question for me. He said, all right, what, what is it, Dad? And I said, do you love Jesus? And he said, come on, Dad, you know, I, and I said, no, just answer one question, that's all I asked, do you love Jesus? And, and he said, Dad, you know I love Jesus. And I said, all right, then you decide. But you're not deciding based on what your old man says. You're not based, doing it based on my rules, but you're, do, you're making a decision based on, do you love Jesus? And he said, oh, Dad, you know, why did you do that to me? Because it changes the whole equation, right? Uh, because you're, you're, you're making that decision based on your faith in Christ and, and not just in the rules and not just in how we do things. And that really matters. And so how do we... How do we move people? How do we help people? How do we help our kids, grandkids, people around us, family, neighbors? How do we help them to know Christ? That's what we wanna talk about a little bit this morning. And, and to get a, get a context for that, we're gonna talk about the first 30 years of the church. We're gonna look um, at the book of Acts this morning. And, and we're actually going to, in about a half an hour, go through the entire book of Acts. You're welcome for that. And so let me read to you the first from the first chapter of Acts. It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You know, too often we don't believe this verse. We, we kind of believe it, but in practical terms we don't believe it because we believe that, that um, our witness which is a legal term, it's to testify, it's to, it, it's to say I'm an eyewitness and I have specific tangible evidence and I'm gonna tell you what that is and so that's our testimony, that's our witness, it's what we've seen and heard and what we know to, to be true and we testify of what we know and what we've experienced and so he is saying that when you receive the Holy Spirit, You'll be my witnesses. You'll give testimony to that. And, and so often we, we think it's about our preparation. We think it's about how much we know. So we're not gonna talk to anybody about Christ or we're not gonna express anything about Christ and, until we feel like we have all the answers, until we feel like we can sort of put down any argument and any question, we can handle any question and we can do all those things that we don't wanna risk. But the reality is that, that Jesus said that when you receive the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of the risen Christ lives in you, and that's what we believe uh, from the scripture, that when we commit our lives to Christ, that his spirit comes and lives in us and fills us and empowers us and instructs us and convicts us and that he grows in us and he changes our lives from the inside out. And so Jesus is telling his followers that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll be my witnesses and then he says, in Jerusalem, which is in your, in your town, where you are, that first and foremost, that we're to testify, we're to give a witness to Jesus where we live, in our homes, in our communities, in our towns. 
that we're to be an example of Christ, we're to be a witness of Christ, we're to be the testimony of Christ where we live, in our hometown. Hardest place in the world, right? You you know, because sometimes we're really good at going places and saying the right things and doing the right things. It's in our house sometimes, it's the hardest to to, uh, follow Christ, isn't it? It's the hardest, that's where our guard is down or that's where people know the buttons to push and all those kinds of things and it's the toughest there and and that's where Jesus starts, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, doesn't say, hey, when you you get all of these rules down and and when you learn all of this stuff about theology and you you can debate evolution and creation and all these things that then you're gonna be my witness when you get all of that stuff down pat, but he says when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses and he begins right at home in Jerusalem. And then the second place, he says, is Judea, and that's the region around. Jerusalem was in Judea. And he said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and then in Judea, the surrounding bigger area, and then Jesus threw something in that would have been an anathema to everyone listening that day. He said, and in Samaria, and Samaria, as we talk about often, is the place that no one, no Jew would go into Samaria. You would walk around Samaria to get from point A to point B because you would be considered unclean if you actually took a step into Samaria. And Samaritans and Jews drew blood from each other. They hated each other. The Samaritans were considered half-breeds. They wouldn't have anything to do with uh, with the, the Samaritans and the Jews, they, they were completely separate. They were at, they were at ends, odds of ends with each other. They wouldn't relate to each other. They hated each other. And Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then in Judea <laughs> and then in places you never thought you'd go, places you never thought you'd be, and you're still gonna be my witnesses even with people that you don't like, even with people that you're so different from, even with people that speak different languages, any of those people that wherever you find yourself, you're my witness. And then he said to the ends of the earth, let's just get everybody in there. Because God so loved the whole world, right? Not just part of the world, not not just the Western European English speaking world, but God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him should have should not perish but have everlasting life, right? And so he says, you'll be my witnesses. You'll, you'll give testimony to me. Your life will speak of me. Your words will speak of me right where you live, in the surrounding area, in the places you never thought you would go, and to the ends of the earth. And so we, you know, we hear that verse and we think either, um, either okay, I get it, but we don't do anything about it, or we think, okay, but I'm not doing that because I can't stand those people, or we think, I'm, too, I'm afraid, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, and here's what Jesus says, do you have my spirit living in you? That's the first criteria, that's the number one criteria. It's not about how, how much you know, yes, I wanna learn as much as I can, but I wanna learn as much as I can so that I can express the love of Christ more effectively, but I know that when I come into certain circumstances that I can trust the Christ that lives in me to help me. And I know it's how much I love those people more than what I say that's gonna make the biggest difference in their lives. But Jesus said, you'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit that comes on you and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then the church goes from there. And we know that the early church exploded after this. And uh, often we read the, you know, we read Acts 2.42 and kind of what they did, but let me just read Acts 2.43 for you this morning. It says, and an awe came upon every soul, 
and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So as the church exploded, here's what happened, and awe came upon people, wonder, that they were awestruck by what they saw, that they saw people from all, um, all kinds of different places, people that spoke different languages, people that had different cultures, people that had, had different experiences, and when they had experienced the love of Jesus, and when they saw what was happening around them, they were in awe of what was going on, and people were responding daily to the story of Jesus. They were responding daily to the love of Christ, and the church was growing exponentially. The church uh, began with the sermon that, that 3,000 people responded to and very quickly it became 10,000 and it grew from there. In a short period in history of 300 years, the, the Roman Empire be, was a Christian nation. But it started there. It started with the early church and it started with being in awe. So here's one of the things I want you to think about this morning. Are you in awe of Jesus? Do you think about Jesus and it's a wonder to you? He's a wonder to you? Are you in awe of how good he is? Are you in awe of how gracious he is? So often in our lives, we, we lose the awe because maybe we get used to it. Um, maybe we, you know, life gets really hard and it doesn't feel so awesome. And so we're kind of stopped short because, wow, it, it, you know, my, if, it's, if Christ is so awesome, how am I, why am I having such a lousy day? Why does my life not feel awesome? And, and we kind of equate the awesomeness of God with how awesome our lives feel that day. And that has nothing to do with our faith, but God is awesome because he loves us, because he sent his son. He is awesome because of the resurrection. He is awesome because he still meets us where we are today, that he's still faithful to us today, and we recognize the fact that we're gonna go through difficult times in our lives, but God is gonna be faithful, and we're in awe of what he does and who he is and how faithful he is to us. And an awe settled on all of those people and I think sometimes it's important for us to be reminded of the awesomeness of Jesus, how great he is, how loving he is, how overwhelming he is, and not just to get caught up in how my day's going. That's sort of like saying, Jesus, yeah, I know you're great, but what have you done for me lately? Yeah, you died on the cross and you rose again, but seriously, that was a long time ago. What have you done for me now? Come on, Jesus. And, and we think that Jesus is supposed to just sort of meet our orders, right? That, that, that we're in control of what Jesus does, not he's in control of what Jesus does, and we miss the awesomeness of him because we're so focused on ourselves and our immediate needs, and we've forgotten. That's why it's so important to sing songs like Great is Thy Faithfulness because it reminds us of how great God's faithfulness is toward us. Well, Acts 10.42 says this, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. And he's Paul here, the Apostle Paul is referring to Jesus that there's a point in Acts where we shift, you know, the Acts is really entitled the Acts of the Apostles. And we shift from Peter and James and John and the others to the Apostle Paul, uh, who we read about in Acts that he was the great persecutor of the church. He was a hater of the church and he had special permission to persecute and punish people who were followers of Jesus. So he's on the road one day and he's literally stopped by Jesus and he's knocked 
to the ground and Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? And he has this confrontation. He has this meeting with Jesus and his life's completely changed. And now he becomes the great apostle. Now he becomes the apostle uh, to, to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews. And Christianity starts spreading all over the world because of his ministry. And here he is saying that the God of the universe, the Christ, Jesus has commanded that they preach the gospel, that they talk about him, that they express the love of Christ wherever they go. And that's his mission in life is to help people experience Christ, to help people hear about the resurrection, about who Jesus is. And he says that Christ has commanded him to do that. And then we move to Acts 20, 24. And it says, but I do not count my life of any value nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That with all I've accomplished, with all I've done, with all the great victories and all the pain, all the suffering that I've experienced in my life, I don't count my life of any value compared to who Jesus is and compared to the gospel of Jesus, to compare the awesomeness, the greatness of Jesus. That's what really matters in this life. And if you start reading the end of the book of Acts, the last couple of chapters, what you find is that Paul is finally arrested and he's sent on this voyage. And Paul says when he's arrested that you falsely arrested me and I'm a Roman citizen and I demand an audience with the Caesar. Now that gives everybody panic because first they didn't know he was a Roman citizen and he makes that claim and now he's on this voyage to Rome. And, and if you read about the voyage, you, you'll see that there's all kinds of mishaps and there's all kinds of struggles. Uh, there's all kinds of things going on. But, but one of the things that's just fascinating is that he was able to, um, wherever he was, he was able to represent Jesus. He was able to talk about Christ. Well, they're shipwrecked at one point. They think they're all gonna perish. And Paul's saying, don't worry about this because God's sending me to Rome and nothing's gonna stop that that this may be the biggest disaster you guys have ever seen, but I know that God is up to something and he's promised me that I'm gonna see Rome. He's promised me this opportunity and I know he's gonna be faithful. I've seen him be faithful in my life and he's gonna continue to be faithful. So they're on this voyage, they're on this trip. And I love the end of, of uh, one of the verses, uh, the end of ch uh, chapter 28, verse 14, it says, and so we came to Rome. And so we came to Rome. And it's set up that Paul is going to be on trial. And it takes often in, in Rome those days, you kinda, you, it's like court today, right? You get in line, uh, you get a court date. And so Paul's waiting, sorry, he's waiting for his court date. And uh, no offense to any attorneys, but you do wait, right? Uh, that's the point. And he's waiting for his court date. And in, while he's waiting for his court date, uh, he is on, under house arrest. He's on the outskirts of Rome. He's under house arrest. And part of this house arrest is it's at his own expense. He has to pay his own bills. And, and then he is chained to a Roman soldier, one of the Praetorian Guard, uh, 24 hours a day. So <laughs> I'm under house arrest. I'm Paul, seriously. 
I've, I've written a bunch of stuff for the church, and I've planted all these churches, and all these miraculous things have happened, and I've, God promised me that I was going to get to Rome, and, and, he, and, I, and my goal is to talk to Caesar. My goal is to share the gospel at the very top of the food chain, the very highest I can possibly do, and here I am under house arrest at my own expense, chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. I can't get away. I can't do anything. And we know uh, from, uh, from Acts and from other sources uh, that Paul experienced this for two years. For two years, he was under house arrest. Now, history says that he was released one time, rearrested, later he was executed. But during this time, it says in verses 30 to 31, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all, um, with all boldness and without hindrance. So he was chained to a Roman guard for two years. He was under house arrest, but everybody that came to visit him, uh, he shared the gospel with, he encouraged in the faithfulness of Jesus and the awesomeness of Jesus. And then there's this little caveat with the Praetorian guard. Let me just say, the Praetorian Guard, if you, if you lived in Rome in the first century, the army lived outside of Rome. Uh, they weren't allowed to live in uh, the city limits of Rome, and this is part of the way that they would keep from, um, uh, you know, from uh, revolt, um, you know, a coup, that they would make the bulk of the army live outside of the city, but the Caesar would keep uh, 6,000 elite troops in the city. They were the royal guard. They were loyal. They were, um, they were fighters. They were great representatives of the Roman army. They were the, called the Praetorian Guard. And they lived inside Rome, and their job was to protect the emperor. Apparently, it took 6,000 of them to do that. Uh, so here's what we have. Paul is chained to one of the Praetorian Guards, one of the royal guards, one of those 6,000, 24 hours a day, and here's what he says in Philippians 1, verses 12 to 14. I want you to know, brothers that, and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard, the Praetorian guard, and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are more bold to speak the word without fear. <laughs> I love this, because Paul says, you know, uh, I love my grandkids, you know, they'll say, that, uh, this is the worst day ever or the best day ever, and there's nothing sort of ever in between, right? It's either the worst day ever or the best day ever. So we try to make worst day ever, best day ever, so when grandpa's there, right? That's the goal. But uh, this is worst case scenario. Paul says, I'm chained to a Roman guard. But he said, guess what? I have a captive audience. They can't get away from me. I can talk about Jesus all day and they are stuck. And it's pro they probably were in four hour shifts. So uh, different times during the day, a uh, different soldier <laughs> would come and Paul would say, I got another four hours with this guy. And I can work on it and I can tell him about the love of Christ and I can tell him about the awesomeness of Christ. So imagine that you're under house arrest, you're chained to a guard 24 hours a day and the highlight of your day is this guy can't get away from me. It's not about me escaping, it's about the soldier escaping. 
and I'm going to share Jesus with him, and I'm going to tell him about the love of Christ, and I'm going to explain to him the resurrection, and I'm going to tell him how it's changed my life, and what I was like before, and what I'm like now, and how faithful God is, and he's going to have to listen to the whole thing, because he can't get away from me, and anytime somebody comes to visit me, and they want to tell me what God is doing uh, in other places, and they want my encouragement, he's got to stay and listen to it, because he's chained to me all the time, he can't get away, isn't that awesome? Most of us wouldn't consider being under house arrest and chained to a guard 24 hours a day an awesome you know, highlight of our lives. But the apostle Paul did because they were hearing about Jesus and, and it's about perspective, isn't it? It's not how good or bad my life is going today, but it's about the opportunity that Christ gives us to speak for him. It's about opportunities that Christ gives us to live for him, to be a witness for him, to be an example for him. That's what really matters to Paul. And we get lost in what's going on in our lives today. And Paul says, don't take your eyes off what really matters, what you really wanna see, what, what you really are counting on. Don't lose sight of what God is doing. And so here's, here's an interesting sidelight to this, that there's a historian named Justo Gonzalez, and he says that one of the reasons that the early church um, grew exponentially is because of the Praetorium Guard. Uh, when you were a part of the Praetorium Guard and you retired after 20 or 30 years, you would get a piece of land somewhere in the Roman Empire and you would go and live at that place. You'd build a house there and you would live there and that was part of your reward for being one of the elite troops in the, in the Roman army. And there were Praetorian guards, there were royal guards that were leaving, uh, that were retiring from service. They were getting their plot of land and because they had spent all of that time with the Apostle Paul, uh, because they had been in awe of the, who Jesus is, everywhere they went around the Roman Empire, when they found their, got to their plot of land, they built a house and they also built a church. And churches were popping up all over the place because of these Praetorian guards that were given pieces of property around the Roman Empire that the church was growing through their efforts, through their commitment, through what they had experienced, through the awesomeness of Christ. Um, more, people made, more people knew Christ. The church grew because Paul had been chained to a royal guard 24 hours a day. And they couldn't get away from him. So here's a couple of questions. When was the last time you were in awe of God's love for you? When is the last time that it just kind of caught your breath how wonderful Jesus is, what he's done for you, the difference that he's made in your life, the significance of who Christ is? When was the last time that you, were, that you experienced that kind of wonder, that sort of awe, of who Jesus is. As we just live life and we get used to things and we get numb to things and we forget sometimes and we need to be reminded of how absolutely amazing Jesus is. And we're blessed, you know, because we have 2,000 years of examples of Christ's faithfulness, of the faithfulness of people uh, that haven't looked at their circumstances but have been in awe of the love of Jesus and have changed the world and been faithful examples to us. And, and we have people in our own lives that because they were faithful to who Jesus was, that their lives were changed and others' lives are changed. So the second question 
is how's your, how is your life a testimony? Or maybe a better question for you this morning is how can my life become a testimony? Here's, here's the thing I want you to understand this morning is that your life is a testimony. The, the question is what is it a testimony to? Because all of our lives are testimonies. All of our lives are bearing witness to something. All of our lives are, are showing something. The question that we have to answer often in our lives is, is, what is it? What is the testimony of our lives? What do people see in our lives? And if anything, that should drive us back to who Christ is in our own lives, in our own awe and wonder of who he is. So is your life a testimony? How can your lives be a testimony? And the truth is that you're already a testimony. The question is, what are you a testimony to? And the second question is, are you in awe of Christ's love for you? That we've already talked about. Here's the third question now. Are you afraid? Uh, are you afraid to be a witness? Uh, are you afraid to be, that you, are you aboard of being a follower of Jesus? Are you cynical uh, about following Jesus? Are you angry? Uh, what, what is the emotion that sort of describes how you feel about Jesus or how you feel about your testimony this morning, your witness of Jesus? Because that'll tell us a lot. And, and you know, frankly, we all come from different places. And so I, um, I, I want us to understand that, that, that what I'm looking for this morning is simply this, that we'd be honest with ourselves, that we would take an honest inventory, an honest look at who we are. And, and we would just ask ourselves that question, am, am I amazed by Jesus this morning, or am I bored? Uh, have I heard it so much that it just sort of runs over me? Or am I, have I gotten cynical because I see the world looks like such a mess to me and I, and I miss what Christ is really doing uh, in the world? Because often we just go, we, we sort of take the world as the media gives us and we forget that underneath all of that there are people, there are 215,000 according to uh, one missionary agency uh, every day around the world that are coming to Christ. Um, God is up to way more than we can see. But we get cynical, we get bored, we get afraid, we think everything's going down, we th we're afraid to speak out because we're gonna be labeled as something. All of those things happen in our lives and yet, Christ is saying it all begins with, are you in awe of me? Because I'm at work. It's my kingdom that we're building. It's not about you. It's not about your circumstances. It's not about how you feel today, but it's about who I am. Okay, so this is usually the part of the sermon uh, that I'll tell you a great story of somebody's testimony, right? Um, somebody that showed great courage or somebody's life that, you know, they were martyred for Christ or something and, and it kind of captures our emotions and we go, wow, what a great story, what a great person. Um, but I don't want to do that this morning. This morning I want you to consider your story uh, and I want to remind you, I don't want to remind you of somebody else's faith and courage, but I want you to consider your own. Have have you considered your own life and how Christ has called you to be a witness, how he's called you to be a testimony? Or maybe this morning you, you just simply think about the fact that what, has, what does my life witness to? Is it about me or does it point people to Jesus? One last passage here, Revelation 7, 9 to 10. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes, 
and people and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a sound voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. What a great way to end that someday we stand together. Remember this, that someday we're gonna stand with a multitude that no one can number with people who grow up, grew up in the Sambeti children's home. We're gonna stand with them. With people who came to Christ through a sports camp in India, we're gonna stand with them. Uh, with people who came from, a, uh, were rescued uh, from sex trade and lived in a home in Ecuador, we're gonna stand with them. Uh, we're gonna stand with people who learned to love Jesus because we dug a fresh water well in their village in Guatemala and we gave backpacks and school supplies when they were grade school children living in central Phoenix. And there'll be some women there with their children who we helped when they were pregnant and didn't know where to go and had no resources and had no hope. And we'll be standing with them they just needed somebody to show them the love of Jesus. And we'll stand with our children and our neighbors who learned about the love of Jesus from watching us. And we will all shout together, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb of God. <laughs> and just so you know, you're gonna be standing with my grandkids too. There they are, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Oh, Lord, thank you for your awesomeness, your greatness, your love, that, Lord, in spite of my weakness, in spite of my frailty, in spite of all the mistakes, Lord, uh, all of how often I forget, Lord, you continue to love me and you have given me all of these examples of your greatness and your awesomeness, and I wanna give you thanks. And, praise this morning, Lord, and I pray for us that you will open our hearts and our minds, Lord, that you will challenge us, Lord, convict us. What is our testimony? What is it that people see in our lives, Lord, and that you will renew sense of wonder in our hearts for who you are, and Lord, that our lives will speak loudly, not just our words, Lord, but our very lives will speak loudly of your love and your grace. We give you thanks, Lord. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website, at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. Here's my prayer this morning. I'm gonna pray with you and for you all week that God will restore the awe of who he is in your heart. Uh, that you will be reminded of the magnitude of his love, the height, the depth, the length, the width of the love of Christ that is offered to us. And it's out of that awe, it's out of that wonder that we become a testimony to the living Christ, to the resurrected Jesus. So let me just pray a quick blessing over it. Father, now I pray in the name of Jesus 
Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that each of us would be touched by your awe this morning, that we would be reminded that our life is a testimony, Lord, and that you will either convict us or you encourage us or comfort us in what that testimony looks like, Lord, and you will move us toward you so that our life will speak of your love. So bless each of my friends. Bless each one today, we pray. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you. Have a great day.